I haven't read the book, but now I'm curious to. An Anthropologist on Mars. Written by Oliver Sacks, a neurologist who tells some of the stories about his patients. One of them, Virgil, had been blind since birth or from early childhood, and when he was 50, Virgil underwent surgery and was given the gift of sight. But as he and Dr. Sachs found out together, having the physical capacity for sight is not the same as seeing. Virgil's first experiences with sight were confusing. He was able to make out colors and movements, but arranging them into a coherent picture was more difficult. Over time, he learned to identify various objects, but his habits, his behaviors, were still those of a blind man. And Dr. Sachs says, one must die as a blind person to be born again as a seeing person. It is the interim, the limbo, that is so terrible. I see his point. And yet I can't help wondering if all of us are are sort of in a spiritual limbo. We're (coughs) We're in the process of being born again and learning to see in a new way, constantly as Christians. And God helps us to do that. God as three in one helps us to do that. And today, we seek to tune in our vision a bit for a clearer view of the Trinity. In 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul says that we see through a glass darkly or in a mirror dimly. Maybe you have one of those light aluminum pans. Imagine taking out one of those pans in the pan rack and and looking at yourself as if in a mirror. And what would you see? It's not the same thing you see in a bathroom mirror. It's indistinct. It's blurry. I think this is what Paul was getting at. The image is unclear. But then, Paul says, then in the future, when we know Christ, then we will see face to face. Someday, everything will be clear we will see beyond this spiritual limbo. Our three scriptures today conduct us from blurry outlines to more distinct vision. And ironically, the three scriptures work well with our Trinitarian mission statement that you see each week on the front of our bulletin. Loving God, exploring faith, serving others. If we shortened that, we could cut the six words into this trinity of verbs, worship, learn, and serve. Isaiah's passage teaches us about worship. Isaiah had a vision that was not blurry at all. It was very distinct and very symbolic. The Lord is enthroned high in a temple. The hem of his robe fills the whole room. Six-winged creatures were in the Lord's service, and they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The Hebrew language didn't have superlatives like better or best, 
holier or holiest. And so when they say holy three times, that's as holy as it gets. This is worship. This is God's creatures praising God for who God is. Their voices are full of adoration. And they encourage us to ask ourselves, what or whom do we adore? To answer that question, ask yourself, where do my eyes spend the most time? Or maybe, where does my mind spend the most time? Television? How to make more money? Sports? Or an athlete? One fifth grader at my children's elementary school worships Justin Bieber. He's on her t-shirts, her backpack, her lunchbox. Now what would be different about us if we had if we stared as adoringly at God as this young lady does at Justin Bieber? Our eyes and our minds need to be purified. In Isaiah's vision, he recognizes that too. He stands on the threshold of the temple and he's looking up. And I said his vision was clear, but then we hear that there's smoke. And so his vision is not as clear as he would like for it to be. He cries out in despair, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. But despair is not the end of the story. For one of these six-winged seraphs goes to the altar and with tongs takes that live coal, brings it back, and touches Isaiah's lips. Now that this has touched your lips, the seraph says, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. And only after that cleansing could Isaiah respond to God's call, here am I. Send me. Worship cleanses us. It allows us the opportunity to adore the God who created us and who loves us so fully. But worship is not enough. Humans needed more, and so God showed love for the world in this way. God sent a beloved son. Not to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. Our vision clears a little bit more when our eyes spend time looking at Jesus. We dissect the ways he lived and the way he died and the way he lives again, and we find that he is the one after whom we want to pattern our lives. But like the 50-year-old blind man who then received his sight, it takes letting go of an old life and being born again. Letting go of old thoughts and replacing them with healthier ones. Letting go of old fantasies and replacing them with reality. Letting go of old heroes and replacing them with Jesus. In Steve's job, Steve Jobs' biography, The author tells about a colleague who was working on an Apple computer in the early 1980s who was thrilled that he found a way to create circles and ovals. That was a big deal back then. And he expressed that then and showed Steve Jobs and his other co-workers and 
Rarely one to praise others, Jobs asked immediately about, what about rectangles with rounded corners? And the guy replied, nobody makes rectangles with random, rounded corners. And so Steve took him for a walk and showed him parking signs and television screens and car windshields and more than a dozen other rectangles with rounded corners. He had to see it to believe it. And when he saw the importance of what he was being asked to do, he made a change. And he figured out a way to make it happen. I wonder whether we realize the importance of what we are being asked to do. Jesus often is a sidebar for our lives. There, but not the main article. And what would it be like to take him from the sidebar and put him in the center? We take time to scrutinize Jesus, and when we do that, his image is born again within us, and his image is the one that reflects clearly through us. Alone, we can read about Jesus, but we learn much more in conversation with others about him through Sunday school, through connection groups, through mission projects and trips. Let's not hesitate to put Jesus at the center of our conversations, like God put Jesus at the center of history, a point that changed world history and continues to change us. The Holy Spirit is no less important, that spirit that pulls us into adoption as sons and daughters of God. About the Trinity, Eberhard Busch says, the doctrine of the Trinity tells us that fully the same God is above us in the heaven and comes in the depths of the life on earth and enters our hearts. In that passage from Romans, Paul reminds us that the Spirit helps us put to death the deeds of the body so that we will live. We received from that spirit a spirit of adoption, and now we can call God dad and mom. That is pure grace, that the holy and distant Lord has come to us on earth and adopted us as sons and daughters. And so we serve this God willingly. Here am I. Send me. Someone said, the service we render to others is really the rent we pay for our room on earth. I like that. And so we love God through worshiping God individually and corporately. We explore faith in Jesus Christ through connecting with brothers and sisters. And we serve others with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Worship, explore, serve all in the name of the one who nourishes us at this table of communion. Lots of things happen in threes. Those of you who are graduating from high school, you had elementary school, middle school, high school. If you played baseball, you might have heard three strikes, you're out. Or somebody might have said to you, try again, third time's a charm. Past, present, and future. Three names of God, three natures of God. Now the table before us has only two elements on it, the bread and the juice. 
It reminds us of the time when Jesus was eating with his disciples and he took a loaf of bread and said, take and eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and he said, drink from it, all of you. He said, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That forgiveness of sins started with Isaiah, continued with Jesus and his disciples, and it continues for us today.